All right, well, let's get into today's guest. Um, I'm so excited that she's here. My guest today is considered one of the OGs in reality TV. June Shannon has been in Toddlers and Tierras, Here Comes Honey Boo Boo, Mama June from Not to Hot, The Mass Singer, Marriage Boot Camp. Oh, these are all just to name a few. Her newest <laughs> show, Mama June Family Crisis, premieres Friday, May 5th. Welcome to the show, Mama June. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Been uh, kind of busy here lately. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So how are you feeling about the show premiering? Um, kind of excited because like, honestly, it's just been a long, like we've been sharing our life with the world for like 13 years and it's literally been an amazing experience it has like fell into our lap. And we've honestly had an amazing journey and just to be able to share another piece of our life with the world. Um, and give people like the real life that happens in America that they won't put on TV, but we will. And when people tell us like, Hey, I did, I didn't have to go through this by myself. I didn't have to thank you for, you know, kind of holding my hand through that. And that's really what really, while we continue to do that, do what we do is, you know, giving them our real life experiences for people. And when people say, Hey, is your life scripted? You know what I tell them? It's like, oh my God, if our life was scripted, I would definitely write a different script for my life. Definitely. <laughs> oh, wow. Definitely. So June, tell me how you got into TV. Back me up for a second into your personal childhood. Um, Honestly, um, in the real truth, how we got into reality TV is we got a call. We was doing a pageant and Alana had did her first splits pageant and the director, somebody had backed out of doing Tallage and Terrace, the director called us and said, hey, they want somebody new in pageantry to do Tallage and Terrace. Honestly, America fell in love with Alana. And that's literally, it. everything that we've had is literally fell in our lap. We have had no coaching classes. We have not went out and tried to find fame. Nothing. Everything that has happened to us has came to our doorstep. Nothing. But how did they even find you? Were you guys in acting classes or you guys were already no. signed up for a pageant? No, we literally was signed up for the pageant. Somebody backed out of doing Toddlers and Terrors. The director called us, asked us, could we do it? October 12th of 2011, a camera crew knocked on our door. We had no idea what the hell we was getting ourselves into. Alana was very shy that day. We was all like, what the hell? With three days of filming, and we were like, what the hell? It premiered. We was the highest rated show in Toddlers and Terrors history. They came back to us, um, Authentic Entertainment came back to us and says, hey, we want you to do another pageant. Where's it, when's y'all's next pageant? We had no idea what our next pageant was. We did one again with them. They loved us. We did a third pageant with Toddlers and Tears. And before we did our third pageant, TLC came to us and says, oh my God, there's something about y'all's family. We don't know what it is, but we want to do a reality show. And when I tell you our heads spun and we knew nothing about TV, we knew nothing about filming. We knew nothing about cameras. We knew nothing about how our life was fixing to turn upside down. We knew nothing. We knew nothing. So you were just yourself on camera and people fall We have no script, no nothing. What happens, happens. We have real life issues. My weight loss, I've spread out of control with my my weight loss. I spot out of control on national TV with drug addiction. I spot, you know, I went to rehab, working on my relationship with my children. Now this season, y'all will see what goes on, you know, with my marriage, with like me getting back on track with my children and all of that. Like, so everything that's going on in our life, y'all will see that. So I have became an open book and decided those doors that are closed, we have opened them. And trust me, sometimes I tell people that people's like, oh my God, I want to be on reality TV, but guys know what you're getting into before you get on reality TV because there is no more privacy. There is no more privacy. Right. And also it's, it leaves you open to such judgment and haters and people really looking into your life without any sort of empathy because they don't walk in your shoes. So how's that been? Um, I mean, sometimes it's got its pros and it's got its cons, you know, especially when I went through my drug addiction and there was, you know, when I was honest and open about the, the million dollars I spent in my drug addiction, um, you know, because my drug addiction, my drug of choice was a very, you know, you know, my drug of choice was cocaine. And so 
you know, it's a very expensive drug. And so I'm now three and a half years clean without anything. I don't even smoke cigarettes. Or I don't drink. I don't do anything. So, you know, I tell people like I was honest about that. And so, and I went to rehab, I lost all of my money. I went to rehab with a dollar 25 to my name. And so, you know, I've been there. I've done that. I've been on my highest highs. I've been on my lowest lows and went back up again. But I tell people like money can change you and money is the root of all evil. And when you get in this industry, it can swallow you up and you can get on the dark side of this industry very, 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 very fastly. And it can swallow that dark side of this industry can swallow you up. And, you know, I hate to say it. I mean, I I do. I did it on my own. But it was very easily because this this industry is very demanding, um, and you always want to do something, and you find you try to find something to be more more up with the newest things and be more more uppity up. And you know, people like you like you said, you know, fans want to you know people want you to be this certain persona, and when they want you to be this certain persona, then you feel like you have to be that persona, and you want to be in more demand and this and that. And so I found something to be more in demand and it really took a lot of part of my life. It took me away from my children. It took me away from my own personal self. Um, and I'm glad that I was able to snatch myself out of that dark spot. And three and a half years later, I, I don't even know who that person is. So you're, where are you on your um, sobriety right now? Three and a half years clean. I've been clean since uh, January, January 27th of 2020. I haven't I don't drink, I don't smoke, I don't associate with people like that. Um, and I get other people into treatment. I talk to people now. Um, I just, I mentor a lot of people. I don't, I don't, I am not a coach for anyone because I don't want to have to not answer that phone call at three, three o'clock in the morning and something happened to them. Um, but I just tell people, just tell, you know, encourage people to, you know, get the help that they need and they deserve. And just talk to families that are going through that same situation, along with my daughters, they, they talk to people that, because they went through it, you know, and yeah. so, um, so it's really kind of like a family thing and ordeal. And so we've done all that on TV. So how hard is that, though, to stay sober? Because especially with all the comments from people and all the stress you're getting at, I know it's one day at a time, right? But like, how often do you want to quit and just say, oh, God, I just need a break. You know, how, how do you stay on that path? And this this sounds so crazy because a lot of people in their sobriety say the stresses make them want to use. Right. Yeah. But for me, me being so like right now, you know, my daughter, Anna, my oldest is, is battling stage four cancer and we're in between Georgia and Alabama, me and my husband. And just a lot of things are going on with filming and just, I have a very demanding life right now. And, you know, as a mother of somebody that just got told two months ago that my daughter, we don't know what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. And we're doing chemo treatments and all that. And, you know, as a family, you know, it's been a shock. My daughter's, you know, Lana Honeyboo is graduating high school and all this. And so there's a lot of demands, but for me, that stress is a challenge for me. So for me, I don't even think that that makes me my life being chaotic and hectic now, nowadays makes me not even think about wanting to use in the past. It would make me want to use, but the tools that I was able to, when I went to rehab, the tools that I was able to use and get there that I didn't have before being able to those coping skills with all the stress that I have going on with my life. Now, I don't even think about that lifestyle because I know what I could lose. Right. And it also sounds like you're so aware of like when you're busy and you have a purpose and you have something to do that yes. takes you out of it. Yes. Yes. And that, like before it, it wouldn't like three and a half years ago, it wouldn't, but now it's like, okay, I know what I've got to do. And I don't even think about that. Like, I'm like, that's the last, that's the, not even a thought in my mind anymore. So I have a question. I want to go back to you for a second and your childhood. Where did you grow up? Were your parents married? Were you an only child? Um, I grew up in Hampton, Georgia, Griffin, Georgia. Um, I grew up in like a small town. Um, my parents were divorced. Um, I also, um, through me healing my own, like I got to know who I was at 42. And through that, I learned that a lot of the trauma also happened back in my childhood uh, with my mom because she worked a lot. You know, my mom was a very controlling person. My mom was 
a drunk. My stepdad was amazing. He raised me since the age of two. I, my real father wasn't in my life. I try to mend those relationships after my children, but unfortunately they didn't mend, but that is what it is. It ain't what it ain't. I don't, I don't blame him. I don't blame anyone, um, but it is what it is. It ain't what it ain't. Um, but um, I haven't spoke to my mother in nine years, but I realized that after taking my life back uh, three years ago and learning who I was, that those traumas that have happened all of my life, through going through domestic violence situations with boyfriends and all that, it started way back with my mother. Mm-hmm. And so that's where I learned of the, a lot of the trauma started back from is because my mom used to use items for love. And I realized that I was doing that same thing with my children. Because I, so I, I became a young mom at the age of 15. I was just going to ask you about that. And you brought yes. up, Anna, that was your first child, right? Yes, I had my, my first daughter at um, 18 days after I turned 15. I had my second child when I was 17. I had my third child when I was 19. And I had Alana when I was 26. Wow. So what was that like being a mom at 15? Um, it was crazy. Um, I got, um, I went and um, my mom tried to actually give me, tell me like I needed to give her away. I needed to not have a child. And being the headstrong person that I was, and I had a job at that point, um, I raised my child. Um, that's my oldest one today, my 28-year-old. Um, and I took care of my responsibilities. And, you know, they didn't, they did they had the best life, you know, that they could. Um, mm-hmm. They didn't have, you know, saying, I mean, they I made sure they had clothes. I made sure they had food. I mean, you know, there were struggles along the way. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, you make things work out as a parent. <laughs> What job did you have at that time? Um, I actually worked at a Wendy's. Worked at, I worked at restaurant. I worked at restaurants and stuff like that, restaurants and warehouses and all that, up until around 2008. Well, actually until like 2012, when we became who we were. Got it. So, okay, now talk to me about your kids for a second. First, you had Anna, then Jessica, then Lauren, then Alana, right? Yes. And then you come up with these amazing names. Were those (laughs) names from the show or you had been calling them these names since childhood? Okay, so Chickadee came from Anna is one that likes to sleep all the time. And she was born to school. And so, you know, she had to get up with the chickens to go to school, okay? So she would never get up with her, she would never get up with her alarm clock. So I used to call her Chickadee. Okay. So I'd be like, okay, Chickadee, get your ass up because you had to get up with them chickens. So that was just something that just randomly came up while she was going to school. Okay, Chubbs, which is Jessica. You remember the box of butt wipes? I don't know if you're old enough or not. I don't hold you all. I'm not gonna call you out on your age. But you know the <laughs> box of butt wipes that uh-huh. has a little baby on it that was called Chubbs back in the day? Of course. Okay, so Chubbs was a chubby baby, Jessica. So she looked like the baby that was on the Chubbs box. Okay, that was her. Pumpkin, which is a which is Lauren. Who the hell is Lauren? I'm like, when you say Lauren, nobody knows her by that name. So when she's introduced <laughs> to people, see Pumpkin. See, she's obsessed with all this behind me, um, and anything pumpkin related could be a sticker, anything. All of her life, um, and she got that name when she was like three months old, and it's pretty much stuck. Nobody knows Pumpkin as Lauren, but unless she goes to school or She's at a government office. Um, so I don't even know how the hell she got that, but she's never been called Lauren. Who the hell is Lauren? Yeah. Um, so Alana actually came up with her own name, Honey Boo Boo, because it goes back to October 12th. October 12th, we started filming of 2011. And BJ Goldnick, which was our producer, I'm not, our, sorry, our camera guy at the time, gave her a wallet and we didn't even realize it had a dollar in it. She was very nervous that day. She pulled it out and she goes, a dollar make it holler, honey, boo-boo child. And she came up with her own name and it stuck and the world started calling her honey, boo-boo and it just stuck. Oh my gosh, that is amazing. All right, so now you've brought us up to the point where um, Alana is in your life and you guys are doing pageants and you're asked to be on Toddlers and Tierra. What what was it like doing pageants in general? Um, Let me tell you, pageants are cutthroat. Um, They... The parents are hella worse than the kids. I mean, I'm just hella worse. And what's so bad is the parents are so bad that they will steal dresses. They will steal your hair pieces. They will steal your flippers. They will steal your hair and makeup artists and pay them more money. But then what's so bad is when all this like riffraff is going between the parents, 
it's not the fact that it hurts the parents. It hurts the kids because the kids want to play with each other. Mm-hmm. And that's what's, and it's not so bad in the natural side. It's more on the glitz side. But I will tell you, we never experienced that, but I, I seen it happen. But we personally never experienced that because I just, we just didn't get in that drama, but we saw the drama. <laughs> right. And so what was it like doing your first show? Were you just like, oh my God, this is crazy? Were you, obviously you were famous right from the get-go. Um, well, we did our first pageant. That was our first Blitz pageant. And we were newbies. I mean, we were, we were newbies and Alana just loved doing it. And I did not know anything about hair. I didn't know anything about flippers. I didn't know anything about dresses. So we went in there looking like who done it and what, but we learned very (laughs) quick that you had to spend money. And in a weekend, and this is before we were who we were, um, you, we had to save up for a good like month or two to buy a dress because to get a dress made was like like 2500 to get teeth made it was like uh like 250 bucks to get a hair piece it was a couple hundred bucks to get hair makeup for the weekend it was like 250 bucks to get spray tan it's like 30 bucks fees are like 300 and tallers and chairs pays none of that so um so you have to do all that to be part of a show like that they pay none of that Right. So, but to be clear for people, you weren't doing this to be on TV. You were doing this because Alana wanted to be in pageants. Correct. Correct. And what they do with top, that's that's a misconception that people think toddlers and chairs don't, don't just, don't, that you send in a submission video. We did not send in a submission video. The pageant director contacted us because they were looking for, toddlers and chairs were looking for a new person Mm. to fill that spot. And we were, we were brand spanking new. And when that pageant rate, I was like, uh, yeah, so what does that include? And she was like, oh, the camera guy come to your house. And we was like, huh? <laughs> and when it came and they not, we had no idea what to do. And when I tell you, I don't see how it turned out the way it did the first episode. We were so nervous for three days. We had no idea what the hell we were doing. <laughs> And what were the other kids like? I mean, I've seen um, Little Miss Sunshine. Do you remember that movie? Yeah. yeah. It was such a great movie. I love that. But I can imagine that it must have been so weird to walk in and see all these little prim and proper girls that, you know, their moms are such stage moms. Was (laughs) it like that for you guys? Um, Well, I I have to say I'm I'm big on that stage mom, too, because Alana's graduating like next month. Okay. And I told her, I said, look, you don't, you have not been across that stage in a while. And don't think that I'm not going to scream, work it, Smoochie, one last time as she walks across that stage. You know what I'm saying? So she's like, oh my God, y'all are about to embarrass the shit out of me at graduation. So I will have to say that I will cheer her on. But if she didn't enjoy it as much as she would, I do say that some of those moms do it because they get a kick more out of it because there was some kids there that I feel like it was like a routine every weekend that they were just like, it was like a train, you know what I'm saying? So, but there was a lot of kids that loved it too, that you could see they were seasoned. Right, right. So America then watched you on from not to hot and they watched your transformation and your weight loss. How was that? Forget about being on the show, but how was that weight loss for you? And then to have it documented in such a way. Um, for me, like, okay, I had already lost like 200 pounds on myself. Like I went from five feet down to like 311. And then I had the weight loss surgery. I went from 311 down to 195. And then I had my, then I had my uh, skin removal surgery on my, on my arms. I had my chest lifted. I had a tummy tuck and had my chin just lipoed underneath. Right. So I had no facial, this, none of this done. Um, and for me, I always wanted my arms, my stomach done, even when I was bigger, because, you know, I had a fupa, my arms were hanging down, just, you know, I wanted to feel good about myself, but because I lost weight so fast and I tell people this all the time and they ask me about the gastric sleeve and they ask me about stuff like that. Just know that you are, it is going to change your body dramatically. Know what you're getting into. Um, I feel like I got skinny way super fast. I got down to like 130. I went from a size 28 to like a zero um, at my lowest. I've, I, you start seeing skin and bones. I've been like 241 for like almost like over two years. And I feel like this is where I'm going to be at because mm-hmm. I'm not went up and I'm not went down. Um, and I think, and what, I'm pretty, what was the lowest you ever got to a uh, one thirty. 
Oh, wow. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, like, if you look at those pictures on the red dress, you can't really tell it, but, I mean, you could see my rib cage. You could see my bones right here. You mm. could see my bones in my arm. And for me, like, that was just way too skinny. You could see the bones in my face. Like, that was before, like, my drug addiction and everything. So, like, and so after my drug addiction, I went up to, like, 200. And now I'm, like, 241. I've been that way for a couple years. And I just think that's where God wants me to be at. So I'm your happiest at this weight. You feel good. Uh, yeah, I do. Because I've tried, I've tried to go to the gym. I've tried to work out. I've tried to do diets. I've tried to do like stuff that the doctors try to the gastric sleeve doctor has told me to do. Mm. And I can't move the scale from 241. So, but you said originally you had lost 200 pounds on your own before you did any surgeries. Did you go yes. on a specific diet? No, it was weird. Um, I got some stresses out of my life. Um, and really wasn't even trying to lose weight at that time. It just kind of like, I got away from some stresses and lost weight. Just, it fell off. <laughs> My gosh, that's amazing. So, um, talk to me about what it was like to be on the mass Singer. Um, the mass Singer was the first thing that me and Alana did, um, outside of me being, and it was kind of crazy. Um, that was, it was very emotional time for me. And that was the truth. Um, because Alana had did Dancing with the Stars and um, Junior Edition, the only the only the only Junior Edition that they do with Dancing with the Stars, and that was a pretty big deal. Um, but the Mass Singer was even a more emotional thing for me um, because that was the first thing that I had done with Alana in my recovery. I had done with Alana since I had been sober, and so. Dina Katz, which is an amazing, amazing produce, producer, had reached out to Alana personally and was like, hey, we want you and your mom to be the first daughter, daughter, mother, daughter duo on The Masked Singer. And I was like, oh, my God, like this will be cool for us to share this moment in my recovery. You know what I'm saying? Doing something together first time. And it was amazing. And me with my blind ass, because I'm totally blind in this side and only like 10 percent left in this side. And it was a cool experience, even though our asses do not sing, <laughs> cannot hold a tune in a bucket. But mm -hmm. we went out there and we had fun for like three weeks. Um, and it was an amazing experience. I recommend it to anyone if, if the mass Singer reaches out to y'all. Um, even if you can't sing, go do it. Have fun. Be yourself. A lot of people go out there and can't sing. But behind that mask, you can be anybody you want to be. Right. That's amazing. So you were talking about your 2019 um, drug possession arrest or whatever, and um, that ultimately cost you custody of Alana, right, to um, Lauren? Yes. Yeah, to Pumpkin. So how has that affected you? Um, you know, and I, and I, I tell a lot of people this, okay? Um, you know, yes, it hurt a lot, but at that point in time in my life, I couldn't even take care of my fucking self. Okay. Honestly, I wasn't even good enough for myself, more or less be good enough for somebody else. And I allowed a drug to overtake me. Um, and that's the truth. I mean, I can't, I can't say sorry enough. I can't take that back. Um, I wish it would have never happened. Um, but also, you know, with her being the agent she is, we talked about it as a family because it happened when we finally went to court. I was in my sobriety. So, you know, we sat down. She had already went to the judge and told the judge. And, you know, I didn't want to go into court and have this mudslinging battle of, OK, I'm clean now. Let's do this. Let's do that. And, you know, going back and forth. And then Alana hate me and Pumpkin at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. Um, so we decided that, Hey, she has one more year of school. She's going to turn 18 anyway. So let's just leave her in this situation. And when I see her every day, like literally she's going to get her, she's going to get her eyelashes done for prom this weekend anyway. Like yeah. we see each other all the time anyway. So it's not like, Oh my God, I, she totally cut me off or I cut her off. So it's not like that situation. Like people think it is. So pumpkin has full custody of her now, but this probably allows you to be more present in her life and in a position to really like have a better relationship with her. It sounds like. Right. Right. So like, yeah, so it's not, it doesn't like, like stop the relationship. No. Mm -hmm. And how's pumpkin doing? I mean, doesn't she have four kids of her own? Yes, she has. So how's that going in that household? Oh, <laughs> uh, it's crazy at times because um, she has a set of twins that are just turning one um, 
they're turning one next month. She has Bentley that turns two in July, that y'all seen. And then Tink that well, is fixing to be six. So it's a hectic household over here. I will let you know that <laughs> um, most of the time. Um, but, you know, Pumpkin and Josh do very good. But with help from everyone, of all of us, you know, and Pumpkin, I'll tell you herself, if it wasn't for help from a lot of people, I think that she would have done pulled her hair out with the twins, especially because uh, they can be a hand. Bentley and the twins can be a handful at times. Well, it definitely takes a village. I only have one child and two dogs, <laughs> and I realize I need a village for that. So I can't imagine what you guys need. But you guys all live very close, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So you can. Well, be we're, well, we're halfway in Alabama and halfway in Georgia. So, but here lately we've been more and so in Georgia the last few months uh, than we have been in Alabama. Right. So talk to me a little bit more about that. Anna is currently um, undergoing chemotherapy, right? Yes. Yes. We last week was her second round. Right. So she was recently diagnosed with stage four cancer. It's adrenal carcinoma, right? That's a type of cancer that affects the liver, kidney and lungs. How did you guys find out about that? Um, actually it was kind of crazy. Um, back in late August, um, she actually was just complaining of like her back hurting and she went to the doctor. Um, she actually went to the hospital. They actually found a, like a, like a tumor, like on her kidney. So she just had surgery to remove it because they were like, Oh, it's a tumor. And it's probably like, uh, benign or like not cancerous. Okay. And so when she had it done, she had it done, um, at the hospital, they took it out. She went to, you know, ICU because it was something removed from her adrenal gland and all that. And they removed her left adrenal gland. So we thought she was fine. Well, that night she called me and she was crying and she was like, mom, they said it was stage two cancer. We had no idea. So there's no telling how long she had it. Wow. Well, she went back a couple months later, you know, for her like checkup. They told us, oh, it's fine. We got it all. No big deal. Go about. She's going about her life. She's going to work. She's selling cars she's you know we're living our life we're like okay no big deal she had a brush with cancer you know we're living happy life well come january of this year 2023 she had a scan done and they seen a spot on her kidney and her uh and her lung and they just said hey it looks like something is awareness she wanted a second opinion they transferred her to atlanta we, we had me and justin had our wedding ceremony they came down for the next week she went and had a scan done in atlanta and it had grown from the little bee spots on her kidney and her lungs to 10 centimeter uh, tumor on her kidney wow. and in her lungs to her spleen and to um, her bigger in her lungs. And that's when the doctor diagnosed her um, in February with stage four cancer. And we did her first treatment two weeks later um, of the chemo. And we just got done with the second round last week. Um, and she lost her hair very, very, very quickly within two weeks. And it's been a hard struggle for the family because we don't know. The doctor um, hasn't didn't give us a timeline. We don't know. Um, and we don't want to really know a timeline because, like, we've talked to some people that's been in stage one and stage two because it is a very rare cancer. One in one million get it every year. So only 200 people in the world have got adrenal carcinoma. And there's not a lot of research on this cancer, um, but there's people that we've talked to that have lived for three years, but they've been on some, they've been on chemo treatments multiple, multiple times, and they've had to be on some kind of treatment to stay alive. So that does give us hope, but we have not talked to anybody that's been over stage one. Right, right. Oh, wow. That's just an unbelievable story. So what um, you were there all last week with her, like, how is she doing with the second round besides obviously losing her hair? It it honestly was different. She said um, this go around, she sniffed and it's crazy. We, we made a joke about it um, because you have to, you know, um, alcohol pads. She was sniffing the hell out of alcohol pads because the nurse was saying that would help her with the nausea during the treatment. And I said, we all joked about it. We said, well, shit, it's getting down to the fact that, you know, it, it come down to this I sniffing alcohol pads, you know, because literally she was having to just keep the alcohol pad like up there because it was making her kind of nauseous and it was making her lightheaded and dizzy. So for her not to pass out or to throw up the doc, the, the nurses were telling her just to like, keep it like right here. So she could just kind of like sniff it. I didn't know that alcohol pads could help you from passing out and could help you from not getting nauseous. So, Hey, if you didn't know that now you do. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, but outside of that, she's just feeling a little, she's not feeling as nauseous this week coming home, but she is more tired. Um, she is tired of getting the chemo already. 
but I keep telling her that just think about it this way. If you have to go once a week, once a month to stay here and raise your children and to be here. And I know how much it sucks, but think about like, would you prefer to be here and see your kids grow up? Cause our kids are 10 and seven or would you prefer not to be here? Right. Right. So she's, you know, I know, I, yeah, I know. Yeah. I know that it's a hard pill to swallow even as her mom. And I know if I'm having a hard time swallowing it, then I know it's a hundred times harder for her to swallow the pill, but I just have to keep reminding her that I know that my husband keeps saying and stop telling her that, but I'm like, I have to keep reminding her that because sometimes I feel like she wants to sometimes give up and you, you know, I'm not give up, but you know what I'm saying? It's just, of course. Yeah. It, it's, it's hard. So hard. It's so strenuous, but yeah, she has to think of her kids who really want her and need her and right. obviously to fight as hard as possible. Has this um, experience with, um, with Anna getting sick, has that made your whole family closer? I know that you guys have struggled with being estranged right. from each other, or having some issues in the past. Um, yes, I would have to say that it does. It does. It has like helped us get along. Like um, last week, Pumpkin watched like Caitlin and like I go up during the week, but then like Pumpkin and Alana will come up at least like one day of the week or, you know, but like mainly it's just me and Justin that stay up there all week. So she doesn't have to drive back and forth because mm -hmm. that is a round trip every day, five hours. And her body is so wore out after doing a treatment for five or six hours that get her in a car for two hours there and two hours back is a lot. Yeah, of course. Of course. So you mentioned your new husband. How did you meet? Um, his name is Justin Stroud, right? Yes. Yes. We actually, met on, <laughs> we, actually met, we actually met on TikTok. He was on the back of somebody's live and um, we just started talking as friends and I was going through, I was getting out of them. I had left a domestic violence situation and I was just getting to know who June Shannon was for the first time in my life. And he came in my life and literally while everybody was like spinning out in and out of my life, like he was just staying there, but he didn't want nothing. He didn't, he didn't ask. He didn't, he wasn't trying to get anything from me. He wasn't trying to gain anything from me. He wasn't, he wasn't wanting anything, but like a friendship. And I was like, this is different. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, cause in this industry, I don't know about, I don't know if you've experienced this, which maybe you have or whatever, where like people you feel like sometimes just want something or they're just around for like the benefits. Of course. And, I, yeah. and I've had that happen multiple times over the years. And he just, he didn't want anything. He was just wanting to say, hey, how you doing? Like, and he knew no idea like what was going on in my life. And I don't know, he would just like text and be like, hey, how you doing? How's your day going? And like, we hung out a couple of times and he, he never did want nothing. And I was just like, okay, damn, this is intriguing. Like this person don't want nothing from me, but like a friendship or it's genuine, you know what I'm saying? And that's, that's been hard to find like over the years for me. Well, I'm sure it's been really hard for you to trust people because obviously, I mean, as I know in my own life, when people think they know you from being such a public figure, right. they get it all wrong, but they also are obsessed with being in your life or being part of the story. Yes, so you yes. get a lot of bad people in there. And then also, let's be honest, you haven't had the best picker with men. Yeah, yeah, right, um, right. So right. you have a little bit of something to get over and finding the right one. Right. So how did you know, because you haven't been married before, right? Even though you've dated never, a couple men. Never, never. Um, I don't like, I don't know. There was just something different about him. Like when he told me, like when we, he kind of like when we first like met, I was staying with a mutual friend, me and a mutual friend had got a house together and he had came over to see him one morning and I like gave him a hug or whatever. And he told me I backed off of him, but I don't remember backing off of him like out of a hug, but like I did, I, I guess I did, but I told him, I said, you kind of like took my breath away. Like I kind of like when I hugged him, I kind of like felt like something, you know what I'm saying? Because I started kind of like liking him, you know, after like a few months of talking to him. But then the next weekend he came over and I kind of wanted to tell him that I kind of like liked him, but he told me that he could tell that I was kind of like crushing on him, but he didn't want to <laughs> say nothing. So, but I waited like another whole nother month to even say anything to him. And then I came back from like Vegas and I actually ended up like immediately landing, coming home, 
and saying and went to his house like 11 o'clock at night and went to grab something to eat and I was like look I need to like tell you something like I really like you and that was like September 17th um and like 2021 and literally like the 20th third of September that's when he asked me to be his girlfriend and that's pretty much the end of the story and then how did he propose to you I actually proposed to him what oh my god amazing how'd you do it um actually like it was weird um I just kind of like I had this whole like proposal like made out or whatever but like sometimes life just doesn't happen like that um so he had actually went through like some like bullshit that happened like in the past and he had got locked up well he got he got out of jail or whatever and um when he got out of jail I had asked him then and I had had this whole proposal because we were in Florida I was gonna do it on the beach I was gonna do this nice romantic thing and I was like shit that all got like throw this shit in a hand basket and all this other stuff so um when he got out that's when I had asked him um and everything and then um it was shortly like a month later we got married so we got married like six months after we met and we've been married like now a year and like a month and we had our ceremony like back in february like almost a year after we met oh that's I mean, right because you you got married before you had the actual ceremony yes yes yeah. a year a year prior to us having the ceremony right okay so my biggest question about that is are you happy now Yes, I am extremely happy. Like, even like we have been through so much shit in the last, honestly, on both sides. Like, we have been through so much shit together. And I'll be honest with everybody. Like, I tell him this all the time. There is a lot of shit that we've been through. Like, for instance, like now with Anna going through stage four cancer, mm -hmm. it's a lot. Okay. It is a lot for like us as a family, like me, Pumpkin, Alana, Jessica, and everybody to deal with. Okay. Mm -hmm. it's a lot because I go through mood swings with it. Like some days I don't know whether to yell, to cry, to be happy, to be mad, to be sad, to fucking cuss and yell at somebody. Okay. Mm -hmm. Like he has to deal with that in the day, but he does like, you know, so he's a good person. He stands right there and does it. And it, and it's been emotional for him. You know what I'm saying? Because he's been in the picture now two years. Like a lot of people would just like walk away from that, you know, because it'd be too much for them to handle because he's new to the relationship. Sure. I mean, there's been other circumstances like a lot of people didn't want us together to begin with two years ago and we fought through all that for like six or seven months like there's just been so many situations that we have showed like people that we are still standing strong through two two years that most couples would not have made it through right right and so like we've showed people like okay y'all think y'all can break us but no and there's just been a lot of situations that um that a lot of couples I feel like would have done broke up this little like little knickknack shit um but we haven't you know and it's not like us per personal stuff is going on in our life it's just life situations that have came up that we just have fought through together all four of your daughters came together to walk you down the aisle but before that happened were they how did it feel about you finally getting engaged to somebody and planning on getting married for the first time um, honestly, I did not tell them that I got married uh, at the courthouse. I honestly kind of lied to them, even though Pumpkin got the wedding certificate at her house. I didn't know that she was supposed to get that. So I tried to get the court not to send her there, <laughs> wow. but she got it. And I still denied it because I didn't kind of want their judgment, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, but, um, you know, I kind of denied it for a little while because honestly, at that time, our relationship was kind of messed up at that point, too. And I just didn't want to hear the judgment of that either. Right. So are, how do they feel about each other now, all your kids? Um, your yeah, I mean, they, they all get along like they're cool, like they they like him, like they understand. I think that honestly, with him always wanting to help in any situation, whether it be something that's going on with pumpkin or now with the situation with Anna, like he has stepped up and he doesn't bitch about it. Like he doesn't complain about it. Like he's willing to help. Or if there's something going on with like Jessica, or there's something going on with Alana, like he's just always like willing to help. And like in the past relationships, like he's not been there to want to help. Right. Right. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like in the past relationship, men's has, men haven't been wanting to help. Right, exactly. So he's really stepped up as a partner since he's been 
in the really future. yeah 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 especially like they're lately like you know um are you guys planning on having any more kids hell no alana is 18 Lana turns 18 in august she's graduating hell no he's got two kids he's got a 13 year old and a four-year-old boy so hell no okay hell no <laughs> how often do you guys see those kids um that's all in the work in the process too so but no um we um you know like i said we're both both of us are in recovery he's been he's been clean he's been clean for over two years and i've been clean for over three years so um because when i actually met him he had he was actually coming out of a um recovery house too so um we both have we both understand the recovery part of it yeah Um, and so everybody always says two recovery addicts cannot be together, but we're proven to the world. Yes, the fuck you can. <laughs> Good. I love to hear that. So your new air, your new show airs May 5th. Where does that show pick up in your life? Um, the show picks up. Oh God, damn, what is I'm sorry. Um, it picks up like right after me and pumpkin uh went to court. So it picks up um around um, because people got to realize um, a lot of people start to think that the show is uh, live, live reality TV, and it is not. Mm-hmm. So we started filming last year around September of last year, and we just uh, stopped filming yesterday, which mm-hmm. was May, May 18th or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. So people got to realize when you start seeing the show May 5th, it's all the way back to September. But we all we always do our live watch parties on our TikTok, which is my official Mama June page. But like I said, if they cannot watch it there, they can always catch it on. They don't get like we TV. You can always catch it on like YouTube TV. You can catch it on Follow. You can catch it on Sling TV. You can catch it on the YouTube. I mean the We TV app. You can catch it on, you know, your Android your Android box on four hundred two in Canada. Um, there's multiple ways to like watch our show. But um, but yeah, it's just gonna catch up with that and then. You're going to be able to see our wedding. You're going to be able, I can't give away too many details, um, but you know, you're going to be able to see a lot of stuff. There's going to be a lot of stuff. You're probably going to cry about a lot of, you know, stuff that we went through this year that has put us to where me and the girls are today. And it's going to bring y'all to speed. And I think a lot of people are going to relate to a lot of real life stuff and, um, a lot of a lot of promises, a lot of a lot of emotional and mental journey that we went on this this year. Um, a lot of our mental and emotional and and self self journeys we went on this year, and that's what it's showing. Like a lot of our self journeys that we went on this year, mm-hmm. um, and just working on ourselves. If that makes sense, so, of course. So, do you like being a reality star? I mean, it sounds like you do because you can bring the world along with you as you go through life, and you guys almost don't have to do it alone. I mean, I know it comes with a lot of haters, right? Like, do you feel happy that you're given this opportunity to continue your life on camera? Um, you know, like I tell people all the time, it's got us ups and it's got us downs. You know, some days, you know, you want to tell the cameras, you know, come on in. But then I'm sure some days, just like in your life, you want to tell the cameras to F off. Um, mm-hmm. you know, you know, you got those days. Um, but the most important thing I tell people is when that person messages me on Instagram or when that person sees me out in public and they say, Thank you for telling your story. I didn't walk that journey by myself or thank you. You helped my family through a situation or, Oh my God, I didn't go through that alone. Or, Oh my God, I can relate to you in so many ways. That's what makes it all worth it for us. So those days that we want to tell somebody to F off, then those days, those days help us push that those comments or those messages help us push through those, those rough days that we don't want to, don't want to, lit cameras in our life you know mm-hmm. yeah uh, because, I mean every, everybody has those diva moments I don't care who you are you have those diva moments <laughs> right because we're human course. we are human at the end of the day um and so so you guys are actually watching your dms and responding to your comments yourself with like, our, yes, yes 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 we, we we listen to our own emails I we answer our own instagram messages everything so when you get a response from us, you're getting a response from us. You're not getting a response from anybody else. So if you're looking at those comments, you're also seeing all the 
kind of haters that write stuff. And then, I mean, well, you I know, have, you know, they, they, they get to block and delete. They do. <laughs> okay. That's interesting. Because I, I mean, even in my own life, you know, it, for me, it's been hard because there could be a hundred amazing comments about how you've changed yes. somebody's life or how much they love you or how beautiful you are. And then that one comment that's awful will sting and get into your head and erase all the good that's in there. How do you and your daughters feel with that? Well, okay, I will be honest with you. When this Frizz Adventure first started, oh my God, I used to cuss out and be mad at everybody. Mm-hmm. Just on every little thing. I used to cuss out everybody. I used to fuss at everybody. I used to be mad at everybody. All the negative comments. It could be 5 million amazing comments. But like you said, that one comment that would just like, oh, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And there still does. I guess since, since the ones now so much, like when Anna or... The ones that state that really the days that I'm having those emotional days, you know, what I'm saying where I don't know whether to cry or to be mad or whatever. Those are the days that those hateful comments really get to me. And I'll just tell my husband, I'll be like, for real, these people are really getting on my damn nerves. Today. And that's when I have to like log out of Instagram. You know what I'm saying? Because like I have to leave, I have to leave the message alone because those are the days that I'll probably nut up on somebody and they're sell the thing to TMZ and be like, Mama June cussing me out. Oh, well, yep, I showed it because your ass out because of what you put on, what you sent me. But I mean, and, and I would say something like that in a message on Instagram and give them their little five seconds of fame. But I just click, and now I've learned to click out. But when I first started this, the first two years, I would do that. So the, now I just have to learn to disconnect and say that there may be a, there may be 20 stupid comments, but there's a thousand fans that love you and that you have changed their life and that know what you're going through. Um, because I honestly didn't know who you were and I had to look you up. I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. I looked you up and I seen some of your story and I promise you what you went through. And, you know, I'm, I'm almost going to throw it out there being the side piece. I'm sure there's been other women in the side piece and done the same way. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm sure there'll be a lot of people can relate to you on that too. Yeah, 100%. And that's why I really, yeah, I mean, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to be mean on that, but I had, to, I had no. to do it. Like, I'm sure there's a lot of women that can relate to your story, just like they can relate to my story and went through what you went through. Yeah. And also to realize that, like, there's so much more to your story than the one thing that people, right, right, right. Oh, yeah. that you should be judged for, right? Which is yeah, yeah. have this platform too. So right. that brings me to the next question. What's the biggest misconception that you want to clear up? in your life about your past about your current situation what do you think is most you know misunderstood about you um the most misconception that i think that is most thing is that um one that just because um i did drugs or i gained back the weight or i gave alana to a pumpkin when i couldn't take care of my own self that doesn't make me a bad person and people do change and you shouldn't judge a book by its cover. Get to know who that person is truly because like you, she said, like you shouldn't be judged by just that one story that you read on somebody because when you actually get to know who that person is deep down, that person can be the most amazing person. And that person, you, you know, honestly, if you got to know who I was, I'm the most giving person the most person that will go to bat for you, that will do stuff for you. I have done so much stuff like off the internet that I did not need to, but like I do honestly like love my children. I do do a lot for my, you know, my community. I do a lot like in the recovery community, all this stuff. So I do tell people that if you really want to get to know me, don't be like, oh, she's disgusting. Oh, she lost weight, but now she's gained it back. Or, oh my God, she's still using drugs. Well, if I was still using drugs, I wouldn't be around my children today. You know what I'm saying? And I wouldn't be on the screen. I wouldn't be doing this. I wouldn't be doing that. So I do tell people that just because you hear some bull crap about people, doesn't mean that it's fully who that person is. A hundred percent. I love the answer. So what's <laughs> next for you? Anything that you have in like the, in the next year of years that you really want to do and accomplish? Um, honestly, people ask me that all the time and I have learned, um, especially in the last couple months, never to plan out your future. Mm. 
um, because you never know what tomorrow could throw at you. Yeah. I thought I had a plan what I wanted to do in the next five years. Um, but honestly, I don't even know what tomorrow can bring. So right now I'm just kind of just like, okay, I know what I'm doing for the next month, mm-hmm. but I can't tell you what I'm going to be doing in the next year. But I know that I'm going to make the best of what I can make of it. Yep. Um, whatever comes my way, I'm just going to like do it. And I think that if you plan too far in advance, it's great to have, it's great to have long-term goals. I yep. think everyone should have those do that, but also make small goals in between those long-term goals to reach that long-term goal. Because if you can reach the small, the small goals, those long-term goals will be very achievable. I think that's such a good answer because when you live day to day, you're present. You know what I mean? Right. Because if you put something way far out there, you get really distracted in, in between right. and you're really not present in what you're doing and who you're with and where you are right now. And so I think that's actually really a great. Yeah. Answer. I mean, what, what I did is I, I started getting lost in that, like planning like stuff like six months, seven months ahead. Mm-hmm. And I started to, and I guess that like, and I, I know it sounds so bad, but I felt like, God was like seeing that because I'm not a Bible thumper by no means, <laughs> by no damn means. But like, um, I mean, I believe in everything else. But I'm not, the, I'm not, I'm not gonna see him be like Bible thumping. But like, I think that like, like it was seen that way, and like it was kind of like him just like yanking me, like, okay, you're getting like, you're getting way far ahead, and you're just not being present. And I could feel that within myself, like I was, I was doing life, but I wasn't. I was just there. Does that make you know what I'm saying? Because like a lot of a, a lot of people, I think, get like that, like you're there, but you're not there. And I felt like that. And then I guess like a few months ago when all this is like, there was, there was, a, there was a couple other situations, but it was just like life kind of like smacked me in the head. It was like Anna and then a couple other things happened and it was like, whoa, okay, I need to slow my ass down because I'm planning shit too far in advance. Like I just need to be right here. Right, right. And you have so much going on. All right. So remind people where they can watch your show and how they can find you on Instagram. Um, the Instagram is Mama June. It is verified over on TikTok. It's official Mama June. It's all verified because if you're following any account that's not verified, it is not me. Mm-hmm. Um, but also you can find Mama June Family Crisis every Friday night starting May 5th on WeTV. But if you don't get WeTV, you can watch YouTube TV, you can watch Slane TV, follow, or your or your Android box on 402 if you are in Canada. Amazing. So I've loved speaking to you. It's very clear that in speaking to you, you are much different than how some people can portray you in news articles and on TV. And you've obviously done a lot of work on yourself to get to where you are now. I wish you the best of luck with everything in your life, your family, your marriage. I really am praying for Anna and her, you know, for for her to feel better in any sort of recovery. And we wish Alana the best getting through her graduation. So um, please take care of yourself. and, And honestly, I wish you the best.